Hello everyone and welcome to Next Generation Saints. I'm your host, Nick Coons. So before we get started today, I want to have a little word from our sponsor, Spotify. Hello everyone, welcome to Next Generation Saints. I'm your host, Nick Coons again. Um, I want to come clean with you guys what's going on, why you haven't been seeing a lot of videos, what's been kind of going on with me. So I've been trying to figure out how to have this kind of conversation. And I found that when I talked to my wife about it, she said, just come clean, talk about what's really been going on. So here we go. I've been suffering through a lot of different depression. I've been having a lot of very hard time with my inner demons and trying to fight them and whatnot. I have been feeling in my depression, like, honestly, I've lost direction in a lot of stuff I've been doing. I have a hard time going to church because when I study the biblical theology and whatnot, I find myself kind of bored, but I'm also finding myself more and more disconnected in the church. Now, I'm not trying to be a wet rag and tell you not to go to church. I'm not trying to say that you shouldn't be in fellowship at church. I think you should be, and it's taught. But more and more, I've been feeling that, well, I feel that the culture, I'm missing out on culture. What do I mean by this? Well, I feel that culture is a very important thing. It's an incredibly important thing. Culture is what unites a lot of us. It's what creates family outside of uh, our own blood. It's what creates a really good company. It creates great teams and leadership and whatnot. This is what culture does. When you don't have culture, you lose your way. The reason I bring this up is because back in 2015, I was fired from Walt Disney Company. And to most people, that's just like, whatever, you lose a job. But to me, that company meant a lot. It was where I found, I met the love of my life, my wife. I had um, met one of my best friends, Tim. Uh, I really encountered a deep culture that was premised off of Disney ideology about um it, it's it's kind of one of those things that's really kind of hard to explain it would be more like trying to have a veteran explain what the military was like for them and the brotherhood that you faced in the military is one of those I can only tell about it so deep so far the rest of you would have to experience it for yourself well I got fired from that place and I believe I was terminated because I was uh, preaching quite a lot. And it was never really made known to me precisely why I was terminated, but I was terminated. And when I tried to get a, when I filed a grievance to try to get my job back, I was denied. I was now in a world that I didn't know anything about. And the only thing I knew what to do was I knew how to preach. Well, long story short, I went through SoCal, my wife and I, we got married in 2017, and we were struggling ever since financially. We decided to make the move from Corona, California, out to Phoenix, Arizona, because it was cheaper. It seemed to be more like a promised land. Well, when I came out here, we had my brother and my sister-in-law who lived out here. Pardon me. And so what transpired was we would hang out with them. We went to, we got involved in a local church called North Bible Church. And for a while, it feels like family. But it didn't really feel, I didn't ever feel a culture here. I never felt like we belonged really anywhere. I really, I remember watching The Hobbit when the dwarves lost Erebor. 
or they lost the, the, the kingdom under the mountain. They lost their home. And the dwarves would just go around from place to place, never really settling down, never really belonging anywhere. And that's what I've been feeling. And with recent issues, like with this podcast, I'm having a hard time. I've been, I'll be upcoming with you. I've lost, I, I didn't let my passion drive me. When I created this podcast, my passion was to preach apologetics, to teach, to answer questions. And now it's like, I'm more focused. Well, I, I meant my sin was I was focused on the numbers. The, the subscriptions were going up. People were subscribing to this place. They were liking the videos. I was making more money on Spotify. You know, I got my first, uh, I got my first subscription to from Spotify to pay me and stuff. It was a big deal. So I was letting that drive it. And I started noticing I started losing subscribers. And it's been punching me in the face. And I felt like, honestly, with my wife and I going through some issues, trying to have a child right now, we're trying to have a kid, with we're having issues with fertility. And that that has caused a lot of pain, a lot of suffering in my life. And trying to understand why God has done that to us. Why is God doing these things? And I've had times where I wanted to give up and walk away because I feel like God has been putting me into test and whatnot. And I got so sick and tired of them. And I, I've had such a struggle to try to keep going and seeing. I honestly, at one point, was just like, I focused on, I just wanted to make money. I want to get out of poverty. I want to get out of being poor. I want to get out wherever I'm in. I want to make more money. And I started seeing things falling apart. So I reached out and said, what the heck's going on? I told my wife about it. And she said, honey, you're too focused on making money. You've got to focus on the fact that you're doing this because you're called to do it. We haven't solved the thing about having a child yet. And uh, I've been encouraged by my own parents to... Don't admit that I'm infertile or my wife is infertile or any of those things, but to keep trying and seeking other options for a child because we haven't been called to adoption yet. But it's one of those, it's, it has not been easy and it's hard to explain the depression you get from it. It's hard to explain the hopelessness you feel. It's hard to explain in words what someone goes through. When they go, when they have this, when they want to start a family, it's, it's my personal struggle with God has been asking God this question. Why is it we have women out there who will go out and have an abortion? They almost seem like they can't not get pregnant. They're always getting pregnant, left, right, and center. They're having promiscuous sex with a bunch of people. They're having abortions, left, right, and center, even multiple abortions in their lifetime. And... Why is God giving them a fertile womb, but to people like myself and my wife who want to have a child, why is it that God has, at this point, not blessed us with one, has given us a barren womb at this point? Why Why is that? And that's the thing I've been struggling with. I've been having a hard time. It got to the point that I told her, I don't even want to preach right now. I'd rather just upload other people because if you ask me, I'm, I'm just so cynical 
I'm such an angry person. I it's all coming out of me, and I and I'm just. It, I had to get this out and talk to you guys about it and share it with you because I think when we go, th we can always talk about inspiration and try to preach to each other and try to give, you know, positive feedback. We're supposed to be happy people. Christians are supposed to be people who are good, go lucky people. Nothing ever bothers, nothing ever happens. But I'm going, that's not the case. I have been Job. I have been screaming at God, what the heck have you done? What the heck you've done? Why are you doing this to me? What have I done to offend you? What have I done this or that? And I, I have learned things on this journey. I, I would share, I'm going to share with you guys. One is people who've gone through struggling like my wife and I have gone through. There, there is, and I, and I understand both sides here. Like I, I'm going to share exactly what you do, but I'm not trying, but I'm going to say this is, I, I can understand why people hold a position they do and why they're trying to help and how they think they're helping. But I'm going to share about what you actually do. One side is when you hear someone struggling, the first thing you're going to say is, well, let's talk about it. Remember, God has a plan. You don't know what God's doing, but he, you just got to have faith. When someone's struggling, you don't do that. Don't tell them that. They're hurting so bad. I remember in the book of Job, and I go back to Job so many times because Job's friends did this. When Job was suffering, when he lost his children, he didn't lose his wife, he lost his home, he lost his everything. He had boils all over him. When Job lost those things, he cried out to God. And then, well, he wasn't giving praise. He wasn't doing a Phil Wilkham praise to our God. I see it on TikTok all the freaking time. Christians are supposed to go into another room and go, praise you, Jesus, all of it, like that. I find the Bible doesn't say that. That's wrong, because here's, here's the thing. Job, in the book of Job, when, when Job is complaining to God, complaining left, right, and center, he has nothing good to say. And then finally, God talks to Job and shows him everything that's going on. Right, doesn't really answer his question, but he shows him everything that's going on. He never states that Job committed sin, even in his suffering and trials. And when he was complaining to God, yelling at God, demanding God give him a freaking answer, he never once said that Job was sinning. He said that Job was justified. He was sinless. The only people that were sinful were the ones that his friends, when they showed up, they started talking. They opened their mouths, started blabbing their mouth off when they started going through suffering. The same thing is when you have people like my wife and I who are going through this issue of trying to figure out why we can't have a child. And it hurts so badly because we want a child so badly. Don't go to somebody who's going through that and say, everything's going to be okay. You just got to realize that you got to have faith. You just got to hold on. You just got to look at you. No, don't just shut up. Shut your mouth is the answer you do. Shut your mouth and just sit with that person. Don't say a dang thing to them. Shut your mouth, sit with them, and remain silent as Job's were doing originally, which was the good thing that they were doing. They're not looking for you to solve the problem. I'm not looking for you to solve the problem. I'm looking for you to shut up and just listen and sometimes just be in the room. I'm going to go through a lot of pain and suffering. I'm going to be ranting and raving. I'm probably going to be cursing up a storm like a, I'll make a sailor sound like a, uh, like a, a sainted priest on a Sunday morning. I will sound like that. 
I'm not proud of it, but I'm going to sound like it because I'm a human being. I am no different. I am flesh and blood. Man, you cut me, I'll bleed. <clears throat> That's the reality of it. The best thing to do is stay silent. I will ask you guys on this podcast, all around the world, to just pray for us. You got to realize even people like me who do ministry on a podcast, who who uploads other people's content because I have a studio and I make a bunch of, and I do things in my studio. doesn't look fancy. It's just a spare room I have in my house, but it's still my studio. We also need prayers. So that's why I'm asking is for prayers in this time of pain and suffering. I've asked for prayers that my wife and I may have a child. I ask for prayers as we go through this, that it would be easier to deal with. And I ask for prayers as well to, to regain a culture. I hope to make a culture here at Next Generation Saints that you guys could be behind. I know I totally went off on the, the, um, the childlessness. But I think also at the same time, we need to create a more inclusive environment for, and I don't mean inclusive like social justice warriors. It says like diversity, equity, inclusion. I mean, literally inclusive. We bring people in. We should be very concerned about something like that. We should be, be bringing people in to inclusiveness of the brother and sisterhood of Christ. So when people lose homes or they don't have family or they are, um, oh, what was it? It's interesting. I was studying this book of Acts, to be honest with you. Acts chapter 6. There were widows who came, who were Jewish widows who were living in the Roman Empire, North Roman Empire. And they moved down into Jerusalem because their husbands had passed away. And they were like, well, we're going to be taken care of by family here. Well, they didn't have a culture. Their culture was Roman. And they were moving into Jerusalem, which was a totally different thing. So they didn't have a language. Their music was probably different. Their foods, to a large extent, were probably different. They probably still didn't eat pork. Maybe they did. Maybe they weren't very strict Jews on what they ate because they were in the Roman Empire. Yeah, I've seen it before. Maybe. But I think about it, I go, we should be creating an environment, an inclusive environment where we bring people in continuously from because are we supposed to preach to all nations make disciples of all nations but if we can't make a place even me a guy who lives in surprise arizona who goes to scottsdale to north bible and i'm not calling them out it's not like they're doing anything wrong but i don't i don't feel i have a culture i really don't I feel that the culture was left back in SoCal, where I was comfortable, where I felt like I belonged. And I think that we need as a church to recognize that. I, I would say this, in the church, to make an improvement, I would say this. You're used to hanging out with the usual suspects. My wife and I work the tech booth over at North Bible, and we run the tech. Hardly anyone comes to talk to us. We could walk out the front door and no one would say hi to us. In my of correction, I walk inside, people are like, oh, hi. I'm like, hi, and that's it. And you walk past into the tech booth. 
apart from having some family and maybe one person to talk to, no one recognized me. I went a couple Sundays ago. I went in the tech booth, talked to one person that I usually see. And after that, once it was wrapped up, I walked out the door of the church. I went right through the crowd. No one said a thing to me. No one stopped me and saying hi. I wasn't rushing out the door like I was trying to avoid people. I was just taking it casual. You know, no rush, no harm, no foul. I'll get home when I get home. No one stopped. No one said hi. No one engaged in conversation. Every time I've been to church, if I try to engage in conversation, it seems like it's more like elevator talk. Have you ever realized that? Or is that just me? Where it's like, they walk in, hi, how are you? I'm good. Oh, that's just jolly. <laughs> yeah, I get the same junk when I'm on an elevator. I call it elevator conversation because it's like when you're awkwardly standing next to someone on the elevator. Like, how are you? I'm good. You? Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Hot day. Yeah, Phoenix. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, it's Phoenix. You know, that awkwardness that you come across, that's what I'm talking about. As a church, what are we doing to change that? And I don't mean like standing up in the middle of the darn announcements going, hey guys, look to the person next to you. And stand up and shake their hand and say, how are you? And introduce yourself. Go on, go ahead. I'm like, Even I will shrink below the booth line because we have a booth and stuff. I will shrink below and be like, I'll just do this. That's what I'll do. I mean, like, if you're not being instructed to, it's like a friend. Not in an awkward situation, not like someone being called in class and going, okay, who's going to stand up and say hi and shake hands? And everyone's like... I mean, like, actually meeting the person, like saying hello, shaking their hand. And then when they have a bunch of problems and they're just confessing it out and saying, here's the crap that's in my life. Listen, no, oh, you know what? I'll pray. It'll be, I'll just pray for you. Mm. Here's my answer to people who say, I'm just going to pray for you. Just pray. That's it. You're not really doing anything. I'm sorry. I know I'm going to be blunt here, but it doesn't feel like you're doing anything. I'm still going to get in my car. I'm going to go home. I'm going to go to work on Monday, deal with the same junk, and then... Five days later, six, seven days later, I'm going to be back. Nothing will probably have changed. Ever. And it's like, oh, but I prayed for you. Okay, cool. Did you actually do anything? Did you, like, reach out in a text message? Hey, buddy, how you doing, man? Hey, man, want to grab some coffee with me? Hey, do you want to, you know, I know you're busy, but, hey, I'm just thinking about you. Hey, want to talk on the phone sometime? Or, hey, let's go grab a beer together. Or, hey, I'm a good gun person. You know, hey, this weekend... Let's go to the range. It's on me. I'll pay for the ammo. Let's just go out and go shooting. Bring your gun. You know, whatever. Let's go do something together. That would be a transformation. That would be something that's useful to do. Versus, I'll just, I'll, I'll pray for you and things will be okay. Yeah, this is what, this is your, the reaction you're going to get from me. Yeah, seriously, that's what you're going to get. Someone's going to call you stupid, you're too churchy. So, this is what's been going on. This has been my struggle. This is what I have been 
dealing with. This is what I am coming forward to tell you guys about. Wherever the, and I'm going to tell you guys this, and there's, and I'll leave it on this one part. I could understand why people have left the church, and then they're still Christians. They've left the church. They're still Christians. They still read the Bible. They just don't do this anymore. They don't. And I'm not saying necessarily agree with it. But I'm also necessarily, I am saying I can't necessarily blame them. If they don't feel like there's family, if they don't feel like there's anything, like a meaningful connection with anyone there, or a meaningful connection coming out of it, why, why would you want to go? Why are you there? Apart from maybe your wife drags you there, like, I'm going to go to church. Okay, fine. Screw it. I'll go. Fine. We'll go to BJ's afterwards. You know, BJ's brewery and restaurant. Keep your mind out of the gutter. I'll go for that because I get a beer afterwards. Cool, that's fine. I'll just sit there and the worship crew will go up there. They'll sing their song. This announcements will be made. The sermon will come up. The pastor comes up, does his sermon, closing song, and then we all go and leave. And that's all we do. There's no meaningful connection. No meaningful nothing. There's no culture, no flavor, no nothing that's there. Yes, there's a sermon that can inspire maybe you know, make you interested, maybe slightly inspire you. But at the end of the day, church, what are we doing? We're not even creating culture. We're creating nothing. And then we tell everyone, you're brothers and sisters in Christ now. Oh, what the, what does that even mean? Oh, we're, we're, we take care of each other. Really? To a guy who came from SoCal, who is a, who is a, who, um, how did I say it before? Who's a stranger in this land? You didn't create anything. Where's the inclusiveness like the book of Acts chapter 6 talks about? Where is it? Why would we? Why would Christians want to go there? Because you got to realize Christians need to be ministered to just as much as the non-Christians do. Christians need to be fed the word. They need to have more than just a sermon. How else are we creating community? I hate to be cynical, but again, this is what I've been going through. And I thought I'd share it with you all. So, until next time, we meet again. May God richly bless you all, my dearly beloved.